Welcome to Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I'm Shanda Sung, and I'm a comedian. And I'm Ashley Morgan, and I'm a farmer. We've been best friends since we were nine years old. Welcome to our show, where we teach each other all kinds of things that cover our wide range of knowledge and interests. And today's episode is Celebrity Sleazebags. Oh, man, I'm, I'm riled up already. Like, <laughs> this topic has me riled up. <laughs> Let's talk about some assholes. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Between the two of us, we have met a surprising number of celebrities. Yeah. For a couple girls from Indiana. Yeah. And the large majority of them have been lovely. Yes. I would say, in my experience. Yeah. Very nice people. Yeah. I've met a lot of comedians. Some of them are real weird. Just uh, not not especially <laughs> socially adept, but very nice. And uh, yeah, I've met some great ones. Um, I worked with Melissa Villasenor from SNL, and she is the just the sweetest person. She's a delight. <laughs> uh, Maria Bamford also literally the nicest person in comedy and like elevates other people uh, smaller cool. comedians it's great mark Barron's the same way like he tweeted with my twitter handle and that was really great and got me a lot of followers like headliners don't have to do that and none of them showed you their wiener so <laughs> exactly none of that no <laughs> shenanigans no ridiculousness just yeah nice people uh, Sashir Zameda fell asleep in my minivan while I was driving her to the airport at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Doing so much name dropping. <laughs> <laughs> I really am right now. Yeah. But it's all thanks to the comedy attic. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think I've met any celebrities like outside of there that I know of. That's really cool that everybody's been really nice because it could go sideways real quick. <laughs> the, the like more famous they are. In my experience, the nicer they have been, some of them are like kind of like weird and like want, you know, they don't really want to make a lot of small talk, which I get because they like they travel around all the time. They meet people constantly. They just yeah. want to focus like some of them want an empty green room. Like I get that. I will say there have been some mid range <laughs> comedians who I have not enjoyed their company as much. <laughs> <laughs> Such a nice way to put it. Yes. <laughs> Just like, mm, we're not really clicking. I'm not <laughs> into your whole situation. So yeah. I'm going to go drink in the kitchen with the staff. So, <laughs> But you have a, a celebrity sleazebag story? Not a celebrity, but he is a sleazebag of celebrity status. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, okay. We're going we're to talk about some pretty sleazy guys and this guy while not a celebrity is on par with some of these sleaze bags so he was a pilot when i was a flight attendant mm -hmm. and he was a captain out of indianapolis when i was based in indianapolis he lived in denver mm -hmm. and i was dating a guy in denver and we're gonna call this captain m Captain we are going to make very clear that this is not Tyler. <laughs> no, not Tyler. <laughs> he has never been based out of Indianapolis, right? <laughs> no, this story <laughs> is not based on Tyler. This was before Tyler. Okay. But I was dating a guy out in Denver. We'll call him Jay. Mm -hmm. And Jay and M knew each other. 
they went skiing together once and they kind of knew each other. So I flew with this captain and the flight attendant did not like him. They did not get along. And I was like, okay, they have history. I don't know him. I'll just, you know, take him for what he is. The first couple days, he was fine, except I kind of got creepy vibes from him. He kept, Mm. like, standing too close, looking for excuses to, like, rub past me and Mm. touch me on the back or the arm as he walked by. Little creepy things like that. He just kind of gave me the ick. But for the most part, I was like, eh, whatever. He seems harmless. Then by the third day, we were sitting on the airplane between flights and we were having some lunch. And all four of us were sitting together, and the other flight attendant was just not having anything that he said. I could tell they didn't like each other, but she never actually said why. Mm -hmm. Well, he is asking me personal questions, and some of them of a somewhat sexual nature. And I was pretty uncomfortable. Mm. And I reminded him that, oh, I have a boyfriend. It's Jay. You know him. Remember? Yeah. Uh And so I politely reminded him that. And the flight attendant who had had enough of this guy, she says, hey, Em, did you ever tell Ashley uh, how you're married with a couple of kids? (laughs) And he got so pissed. Like she had ruined his whole plan. Like he was not going to tell me that he was married with kids. And so I, of course, saw that he was pissed. Like he, his face turned beet red. He was so mad at her. And so I turned to him and I was just like, oh, cool. You're married and, you know, kids. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I am. I have kids. And I was trying to just like make small talk around that. And he was not too keen on it. Well, she got up and left because she was just like, I'm so sick of this guy. And he was pissed at her and, and whatever. I was like, wow, that was awkward. But we moved on. And that night when we were finished with our shift, we were in the hotel van. And I made the rookie mistake of <laughs> announcing to the the rest of my crew, I said, hey, I'm going to go get dinner at so-and-such restaurant. Who wants to join me? And right away, Captain M says, mm. oh, I'm in. And I turn and I look at the other two and they kind of look at each other and they're like, sorry, no, we're going to pass. And uh, I was like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but I You're I, like, ew, not you. Uh, sorry. <laughs> who wants to go? Everyone but you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, so I was uncomfortable. But for the most part, I was like, OK, fine. Let's meet downstairs in 10 minutes. The hotel shuttle will take us four or five blocks away to this restaurant. So we get to this restaurant and we sit at the bar and he was like, oh, you want to have a couple drinks? And I said, no, I'm good. I'm not drinking. Again, didn't feel comfortable around this guy. Yeah. He was giving me the ick. I don't trust it. We're there by ourselves. I don't like it. So no, I'm not going to drink. And he was like, oh, come on. Come on. Just have a couple drinks. Loosen up. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I was sticking to my guns and he's like, come on, one drink. I'll buy it. And I finally was like, no, no. He's like, come on, why not? And I was like, because one drink doesn't mean one drink. Mm -hmm. You know that. And I know what you're doing. Please stop. And I got kind of shitty with him. And he's like, okay, okay, geez. I was just trying to be a nice guy. Like, just wanted to buy you a drink. And I was like, no, thank you, no. And so we we ordered our, our meals. And he starts talking about 
uh, he was like, well, I, I know why I know why you got shitty with me. And I was like, OK, why? And he was which the reason why was because he kept pushing. Yeah. But I was like, OK, why? Why did I get What's shitty your with you? perspective? What yeah, could what do you, you think? possibly think? <laughs> yeah. What do you think is happening right now? He's like, it's because that other flight attendant was talking shit about me. And I was like, actually, and he cuts me off and he goes, you know, she is a bit of a wild child herself, you know, and he starts to go into these untrue and graphic stories about her and multiple pilots at the same time and beer bottles and orifices. And he's getting graphic. And I, I kept like holding my hands up, like, stop, stop, stop. And I was like, well, I know her and that does not seem like her. And he's like, well, she's a liar. Mm. And I was like, <sighs> and I love that. I love that he said that she was talking shit about me when literally all she said was he's married with kids. <laughs> yeah, that is not shit talk. That's just stating a fact that you wanted to keep hidden. And so you're going to consider it as shit talk. Exactly. And it's like Rose. She was she was talking shit about me. Now I'm going to talk absolute shit about her. <laughs> like, yeah. So. Then to, like, change the subject and try to diffuse it, I started asking him questions. Like, you know, like, what do you do in your time off? You know, tell me about your wife and kids. How old are your kids? And he was like, well, he told me how old his kids were. And then he was like, well, my wife and I are separated. And look, I was young, but I was not born yesterday. Like, I know that when a 30, 40-year-old man, a 30 late 30s, early 40s year old man tells a young 20 something that he's separated from his wife. I guarantee he is not. Uh, she At least she's not aware of it. Yeah, at least the <laughs> wife is not aware. She's sitting at home thinking everything's fine while yeah. he's out there telling tales. So, of course, I just kind of rolled my eyes like, no, I highly doubt you're highly doubt you're separated. And so, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're we're separated. OK. And he's like, how long have you been? dating jay and i was like oh a couple months now and i've gone out to colorado a few times to to hang out and and visit him and he's like oh yeah he's probably cheating on you (laughs) i was like uh i don't i don't know man probably not and he was like yeah no he's probably where is he right now he's probably doing it right now i was like okay first of all he's at his parents house in texas right now so i highly (laughs) doubt he's 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 getting nasty right now i was like but Dude, no, come on. He was like, oh, come on. All guys cheat. All guys think with their little heads, not their big heads. And just on and on. And he would not shut up about it. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, he was driving me nuts. Yeah. And so I finally, I I was mostly done eating, which I hadn't eaten much. The dude killed my appetite. I regretted every second being there. I should have just stayed Mm -hmm. in my hotel room. But I finally excused myself and went to the bathroom and I called my boyfriend and I was like, you will not believe what this guy is saying to me. He is being graphic. He's being crude. He's saying all these awful things. How are you friends with this guy? And he was like, well, we're not really friends. He was like, we went on a ski trip together with a group of people. So I know Mm. of him, but I don't really know him. He's like, do you want me to text him and like tell him to stop running his mouth? And I was like, no, I'm just going to leave. It's just going to start him off again. (sighs) Yeah, I don't I don't need that bullshit. So I'll just I'll just go. And so when I got back to my seat now, mind you, I did not touch my drink. I did not eat any more of my food because I left my shit unattended and I did not trust that guy. And so after I got back, he excused himself to go to the bathroom and I 
eagerly motioned the waitress over and I got my check, paid it real quick. And then as soon as he got back, I was like, all right, well, I'm out of here. And I walked back to the hotel. I was not willing to sit and wait for the hotel shuttle or a cab. This was Mm. before Uber and Lyft. And I was like, screw this. I cannot spend another minute with this guy. I will walk the five blocks back in Washington, D.C. At like nine, ten o'clock at night, I will risk getting stabbed. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I would rather be stabbed than spend a minute longer in your company. Yes. Put that on your Tinder profile, sir. So I I bolted out of there and I was half jogging, power walking those four or five blocks. Well, he paid his tab real quick and ran to catch up with me. And Ugh. we ended up Take a the- hint. Take a hint. Dude, I'm literally <laughs> running from you. Clearly. So Ugh. we walked the last block together and he's like, he's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, this is really dangerous to walk by yourself like this. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I just, I'm really tired. And like, I, I, you just were talking a lot of absolute garbage and I just really can't stand it. Like, uh, like, I just can't. He's like, well, it's part of it's because you didn't drink. You know, if I'm, I'm a lot more charming when we've had a few drinks. Mm. And I was mm. like, oh God. And so I just started ignoring him and he was just, he kept talking, kept running his mouth. You know, I thought you were cool and everybody said you were cool and you know, all this stuff. He's like, I heard about you and I know all about you. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus. So we get back to the hotel and we go in the side door that opens into a stairwell. And we took mm-hmm. the stairs up. And now he's on the second floor and I'm on the third floor. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, home stretch. I'm done with this yeah. guy. But it gets worse. <laughs> oh, no. Because we get to his floor and I kept on walking and he starts to go in the hallway, but he stops and he goes, hey. And the way that he kind of said it made me stop. And I, I kind of took a couple steps down to look at him under the stairwell. And he was like, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry for the things that I said tonight. And I was just kind of looking at him skeptical, like, what is going on? And he's like, no, really. I, I said some really inappropriate things. Uh-huh. And I just want to apologize if I, if I said anything that hurt your feelings. And I was debating on, like, whether I just say, okay, it's fine, or just be like, whatever, dude. But I hadn't said anything at this point. So while I'm sitting there debating on how to react to this guy, he goes, so you want to come to my room? (laughs) And I... (laughs) What a uh, Hail Mary that man threw. I just let out the most like guttural frustrated (laughs) sound i just went (laughs) and i walked up the stairs two at a time just running around this stairwell and the whole time he's yelling up the stairwell at me you bitch you prude you tease and he's yelling all these things mind you he was saying a lot worse right i i toned it down a little bit just I don't want to repeat those words, but he yeah. was calling me all sorts of awful names. You bitch, you tease. And I didn't say anything. I just ran and I ran to my room and I locked my doors <laughs> and I called my boyfriend and I was like, you would not believe he just propositioned me after saying all of those awful things to me. He yeah. propositioned me and 
while I'm on my cell phone with Jay, Captain M is calling my hotel room. He's calling my room phone multiple times. Finally, on the third call, I pick up the phone and I go, what? Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you seriously not going to come to my room? Uh. And I go, no, I just, like, my head is exploding with the yeah. audacity of this man. Like, Truly. The absolute gall of this Why? swamp creature. Like, Why would you believe that I would, just a deep, fundamental, uh. like, uh, misunderstanding of human operating like uh, i'm pretty sure that he was like a robot or something like he had to have been a, a psycho or like and something Liz, like we have talked on previous episodes about your ability to like keep it cool as a flight attendant and like have a neutral face during like turbulence and stuff but i know you well enough to know that your face did not seem at all interested in him through that entire dinner. I oh. I can picture in my mind the look you had on your face and at no point did it ever come close to being like, mm. Yes. <laughs> I had a cringe on my face the entire time. Uh, yeah. And you so, may be able to play it cool in turbulence, but not uh, in douchebaggery. No. no. <laughs> Not when this swamp monster was just in my face. Like, oh, my God, no. Okay, so he asks me on this phone. He says, are you really not coming to my room? And I said, why in the hell would I come to your room? What could possibly make you think that that was an option for you? And he was like, I don't know. First of all, I thought you were cool. Second of all. Uh, I don't know. I was just kind of hoping maybe I could get uh, a BJ or we could do hand stuff. Again, he was way more graphic than I am being right and this, now. And this is a this is an adult person. This man was who presumably has some intelligence and can operate an airplane. He is married with children uh. and operates heavy machinery. And yet this is how he was talking to me. This is it. This is the story that's going to make me afraid of flying. Oh, because that guy is out there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere operating a plane. A man that dumb. Yeah, that's that psychopath asked me, well, maybe I could at the very least get some hand stuff. And I hung up on him. I hung yeah. up on him. And I finally, you know, the whole time I was on the phone with my boyfriend at the same time, yeah. he was he was on the cell phone. And so he could hear what he was saying. He was like, I'm going to fucking kick that guy's ass next time I see him. I was like... <laughs> Oh, my God. Me, too. Please do. <laughs> Me, too. So then I, I just hung up on him. And then I, I told I told my boyfriend, I was like, OK, I'm going to bed. I've had a really rough night. I'm exhausted. Like, this is insane. I'm going to bed. And so I did. And the next day was super awkward. Oh, yeah. Because you had to fly with him. Yeah, I had a whole nother day with this guy. I just avoided him. And the other flight attendant was like, I am so sorry that I left you. I shouldn't have done that. I just I know what he's like. And I could not stand to have any time with him in my free time. Like I yeah. am only around him when I absolutely have to be. And she's like, I'm really sorry I did that to you. And I told her the situation and I told her, I was like, I ran from him and here are the things that he said. And I was like, also, you should know that he was saying a lot of awful things about you. And she goes, oh, I know. She goes, it's because he he did the same to me. He hit on me and I rejected him. And then he's 
he ended up telling a lot of stories about me. She goes, so be prepared for that is coming your oh, way. Fun. There's going to be stories about you. And I was like, that's fine. I'll take the false rumors over spending any more time with that guy. And so I, I put him on my do not fly list, which we can, yeah. we can block people. And so I did that. And then soon after that, I switched bases and I went to Denver. Yeah. And so we were no longer based together. So we would no longer fly together. And I really only saw him in passing a couple times after that because he lived in Denver. So I would see him in the Denver airport every now and then. But it was so rare. I would just ignore him. But I will say a couple years later, I had traveled back to Indianapolis for a training session. And on my way back to Denver, I was flying from Indy to Denver after training. He was finishing up a trip and was going home, Indianapolis to Denver. And so I had gotten my seat from the gate agent and I turned around and there he was immediately behind me. And he was like, oh, hey, how's it going? And mm. I just I was shocked because I wasn't expecting him. And I just kind of mm -hmm. said, oh, it's it's high. It's fine. And I just kind of walked away. And then. I don't know what he did or said to the gate agent, but when he got on the flight, he sat right next to me. His seat was right mm -hmm. next to mine. He tried to make small talk while during the boarding process, and I sat there for all of two minutes, and I, I got up. I was like, sorry, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I got up, and I grabbed my bags, and I went to the back of the airplane, and I told the flight attendant, I said, hey, look, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting next to a pilot that I cannot stand. If there's a seat open back here, I'm, I'm going to take it if you don't mind, because I, I will not spend two and a half hours making small talk with this piece of garbage. And she's like, yeah, girl, no problem. Absolutely. Uh -huh. And the seat back there was open in the very last row. And so she asked me, she's like, you know, if you don't mind, what's the story? And I told her the story and she's like, oh, my God. I was like, dude, I know. Right. Like, I can't spend two and a half hours making small talk with this asshole. Like, I really can't. So I don't know. I, I hope he. Uh... Rots in hell. I hope he has had the life that he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I know nothing about him. How many people have this guy on his do not fly list? Because mm -hmm. it's got to be several. And how many lists do you have to be on before HR is like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Mm. No idea. I have no idea. Once again, disappointed in the airline industry. Well, they can't keep up with all the sleaze bags that work for the airlines, so <laughs> we can't ask for them to. Uh, you know, you'd have no clue left. Their, uh, <laughs> their flight attendants. If you fired every married pilot that hit on a flight attendant, you'd have no pilots left. <laughs> <laughs> but how many chase you down a street? Oh god. Yeah, I don't know. That was pretty bad. I would not be surprised if he is in jail right now. <laughs> um, give me his name after we're done recording and I will find out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So that's enough about that sleaze bag. That's plenty. That's plenty that's on that sleaze bag. Plenty. Let's let, though he's not a celebrity. He really had made a huge mark in my life. Yeah. He made my list of people I would like to fist fight if I ever saw them again. Yes, yeah. I have a list. It has like five people on it that if ever I see them again, I want to punch them in the mouth. And he is on that if list. You, <laughs> if you don't have a list of people you want to punch in the mouth, then you ain't living right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Ain't yeah. that the truth? All right. <laughs> That's our new merch. Let's get some T-shirts. Let's <laughs> say, I got a list. And you're on it. <laughs> Prepare to get punched in the mouth. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So that is a perfect setup because you and I both have some sleazebags is too kind of a word. Yes. For these gentlemen. Because, of, of course, they're both men. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm interested to hear your story. Um, I know a little bit. I think we can give like a, a content warning here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we probably should have done that before I told my other story. But the celebrity sleazebag I'm going to talk about, yes, absolutely does get a little bit of a content warning because I do talk a little bit about sexual assault and things of that nature. So yes, I'll try not to be graphic because that's not really my style, but yeah. I'll try to navigate delicately over yeah. a very uncomfortable topic. Right. And then we can get fired up. And then after this episode is over, you can sign up for kickboxing classes <laughs> and then just go to town. Oh, or yeah. Yes. So not only thinking back about my personal experience with a sleaze bag, but then also doing the research on my celebrity. I've been fired up all afternoon since like two yeah. this afternoon. I have been fired <laughs> up. So let's get into it. Yes. Yes. I'm going first today, and my celebrity sleaze bag is super pervert Harvey Weinstein. Boo. Boo. So Harvey Weinstein is a Hollywood film producer and co-founder of Miramax. He has been involved in a ton of movies. Shakespeare in Love, Gangs of New York, Goodwill Hunting, All the Lord of the Rings, pretty much every Quentin Tarantino movie. Just... Hundreds of movies throughout the years. Mm -hmm. A little bit of background on this guy. He was born March 19th, 1952 in Queens, New York. He went to college in Buffalo, New York. During the 1970s, him and his brother and a friend produced rock concerts in the Buffalo area. And they worked with people like Frank Sinatra, The Who, Rolling Stones, Jackson Brown, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where he got his start, was kind of in music. Hmm. But he just kind of had a knack for that sort of thing. He had no problem working with celebrities. He was a very uh, pushy guy. He was a shrewd businessman. Like, that was kind of what he, he did. In fact, an old family friend called him aggressive and consumed in matters of business. Hmm. And so, yeah, he was just kind of meant to be that big wig movie yeah. music producer. So him and his brother founded Miramax together in 1979 in LA. And Miramax just grew throughout the 80s and 90s. In 1993, Disney bought Miramax for $80 million. Mm. But part of the deal was that Harvey and his brother would continue to work there yeah. as head of the studio, even though it was bought by Disney. In 2005, the brothers left Miramax to start the Weinstein Company. And throughout the years, Harvey Weinstein, along with his brother, they ended up winning a ton of awards throughout the years for all their movies, stage productions, mm -hmm. all that stuff. But I don't give two shits about any of that because <laughs> he's garbage. And we're not going to talk about those awards. 
aside from his sexual misconduct, he also had other criticisms about the way that he was. First Mm -hmm. of all, writers and directors didn't always like working with him, particularly those who were smaller independent films, Mm -hmm. because while they were filming, they would have this vision of what they wanted it to be dark, edgy, artsy, independent. But then when it came down to producing the movie and editing it, it would actually come out sometimes to be almost trying to be like a blockbuster hit. Yeah, And the writers and the directors were like, no, man, I had this vision of something a little more dark and artsy and you made it cookie cutter yeah. box office bullshit. And so yeah, you took my my indie rock and turned it into pop. Yeah. And so <laughs> he got a lot of criticism in those regards just because he would kind of go rogue on some of these things. Mm hmm. Also, he was known to have a temper and he would fly off the handle. He would fight with directors. He would scream at them. He would yell threats of violence towards them. Like he was not nice to work with on a lot of occasions. So up until this point, he had no problem being aggressive and stepping on people's necks and going rogue every now and then already with the people that he was working with. Mm -hmm. In 2017, some women came forward to accuse him of harassment, sexual misconduct, and rape. Mm. A lot of this was part of the Me Too movement, which had started as a social media campaign like 10 years prior, Mm -hmm. where victims of sexual assault and domestic abuse and things like that would come forward and say, we've all kind of experienced some form of this. And it's awful. Let's let's come together in, in solidarity. Yeah. And a lot of people came forward and he was one of the men that ended up getting accused. Mm-hmm. And quite a few women came forward with stories about him. There was actually a term coined because of this called the Weinstein effect. And it was essentially where high powered men got targeted by the Me Too movement. Mm targeted or (laughs) revealed right (laughs) you know if you haven't done anything wrong then you're probably not going to get accused of anything yeah especially not by many people (laughs) yeah so a lot of it was he was notorious for taking advantage of young actresses Mm -hmm. essentially saying you have to do these sexual acts with me or i will not give you any sort of career. In fact, he would go so far as to say, if you don't, I will make sure you never work again. Yeah. He was not only using his position of power to force and manipulate these women into awkward situations, almost making it to where they couldn't say no. Yeah. Which is, as we all know, still rape. You know, it's still like... Just because you're in a position to where you can't say no doesn't mean you said yes. Yeah. Doesn't mean that this was consensual. But he also had multiple occasions where he would, uh, I'm trying to go about this delicately, he would force himself on Mm. women at parties, in hotel rooms, on travel trips. And it wasn't just actresses, it was. 
people who worked for him, people who worked for the studios, assistants, a lot of different people. So he not only manipulated these women by putting them into awkward positions that he could later argue as quote unquote gray areas. Right. There were also black and white scenarios in which he forcibly took what he wanted. And so needless to say, he was arrested on May 25th, 2018 in New York. Soon after that, he was also charged in L.A. for sexual misconduct. He did post bail in New York for $1 million, and essentially he had to surrender his passport and wear an ankle monitor, and he was only allowed within the state of New York and, I think, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't he couldn't really travel other than to his home and work, essentially. When he showed up to his trial on January 6th, 2020, he showed up with a walker. Oh, I remember that. And his lawyer was like, the stress of all this is just causing his health to decline. And the prosecution was like, don't be fooled. He's a creep, not a harmless old man. Like they're trying to make you believe he is. Yeah. And so on February 24th, 2020, he was convicted of two of the five charges that were actually brought against him. And he Mm. was sentenced to 23 years in prison. That's how bad what he did was, that with endless resources, and I'm sure very well-paid and experienced lawyers, they still couldn't get him off completely scot-free. Like, Mm -hmm. that is how egregious his because you know money gets people out of things all of the time oh yeah (laughs) so even with all the resources he had there was no escaping what he did that just shows how bad it was (laughs) which is which is sad you know it people should be accountable regardless but that's just not the way the world works but at least that yeah at least there was some justice there yeah yes so he was transferred Quickly to Rikers, but he didn't stay there long. He was actually transferred to Wend, I think is how you say it, W-E-N-D-E, Wend Correctional Facility in New York on July 20th of 2021. So he stayed in New York for a little over a year in jail. So in July 20th, 2021, he was flown to Los Angeles to the Twin Towers Correctional Facility because he's actually got... Charges in L.A. as well. Mm. And I think also in the U.K. But I don't know what, what's going to happen with the U.K. stuff. But in L.A., he is in the Twin Towers Correctional Facility and he is awaiting trial, which is scheduled for October 10th, 2022. So here in a few months, he will be tried in Los Angeles for his sex crimes there. So I'm sure he will get more put on his sentence. Right. Well, good. So... This piece of shite will, with some good luck and fortune, will die in prison. So, yes. <laughs> not that I like to wish ill on a lot of people. I don't like to put bad juju out there, but he's got it coming. But get fucked, okay? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. This guy can can go to hell. Now, yeah. keep in mind, these are only the things that he was charged with mm-hmm. because of 
evidence, testimony, and statute of limitations. Okay, right. so there's only going to be certain certain ones that he's actually going to do time for. However, and here's where it gets uh, sad and and ugly. So I'll try not to <laughs> try not to get emotional about it. But eighty women came forward about him. <sighs> eighty women with 100 separate incidences of sexual misconduct. Ugh. 18 of those were rape, actual, aggressive, penetrative rape. Now, keep in mind, this is just the women that came forward. Right. How many more out there have since passed away, have since gone into hiding, who don't want to talk about it, who don't want to relive that time, yeah. who are maybe too scared to come forward? Yeah. So far, these occurrences have happened from 1980 to 2015. Mm. This man had 35 years, 80 different women, over 100 separate incidences of sexual misconduct. He's been at it for years. Yeah, his whole life. It's just who he is. For him to have been so powerful and for the women, especially the the first several <laughs> to come mm -hmm. forward against somebody with that much power had to be terrifying. Yeah. And then to turn around and then be vindicated because so many people who speak out about their experience aren't. Yes. And so to turn around and then see all these other people come out and that just to feel so horrible and heavy, but also like... I'm glad I stepped forward if that helped everybody else do that as well. Like, just a crazy, for someone with that much power, like, I remember it happening, uh, him and Bill Cosby are, like, the biggest people to be taken down for what yeah. they've done in a situation that that doesn't happen a lot. It's, yeah. I mean, how many millions of jokes have been made about the casting couch or whatever yeah you know yeah the fact that he was able to get away with it for so long and it yeah. was kind of the me too movement that that kind of started allowing people to speak out about it and i'm sure you know a lot of that was not without repercussions i'm oh, sure plenty sure, of people yeah. got repercussions f for it but particularly in the harvey weinstein case was as people started speaking out it wasn't only assistants and staff members mm -hmm. it was high profile people mm. let me name a few of the women that came forward against him rosanna arquette kate mm. beckinsale kate blanchett rose McGow mcgowan helena bottom carter selma hayek heather graham ashley judd angelina jolie madonna gwyneth paltrow and uma thurman just to name a few Jeez. These are high-profile women. Yes. Wow. He even got to the point, one of the things that he said as part of his ploy to, to get some of these women is he would say things along the lines of, you know, if you want to make it in this town, these are the things you have to do. You have to get with me in order to make your career. So-and-so mm. did it, and look how famous she is. If you want the same status as any one of these women that I just named, you need to do what they did to get ahead. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's part of how he used that power to. Yeah. Get what he wanted. Manipulate these women and get what he wanted. And when they didn't give it, he took it. So, yeah, I'm glad he's doing jail time. Uh, I hope he dies there. And rotten hell, you piece of shit. Yeah. I'm sure I could say plenty more, but that's all I'm going to say about the matter. I'm already riled up. God damn it. I hope for those who are listening, I hope you're not listening to this on your drive to work because you're going to get all riled up. You're just going to you're going to be all riled up. You're going to have a shit day at work. I'm really sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Just going to go in with an attitude. Yeah. (laughs) If your boss asks, just say, Ashley and Shanda got me riled up. (laughs) I have a doctor's note. It says I listened to this episode of Passing Notes and now I want to punch men. Uh, Apologies. Now now I got a bad attitude. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Okay. So that's all I have to say about Harvey Weinstein for now. For now. Uh, So let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. All right, we are back. And can I talk, please, Ashley? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so mad. Can't shut up. (laughs) Oh, man, I've got a sleaze bag. My sleaze bag is very sleaze baggy, but it's less heavy than the first half of this episode. I'll say that. So, okay, good. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Steven Seagal. Ah. Yeah, Steven Seagal. He sucks real bad. If you didn't know, <laughs> he's not a cool dude. <laughs> and uh. I, Okay, so what got me started on this is, I'll be brief, but I am in a chat with a bunch of local comics. And one of them happened to be watching one of many straight-to-DVD Steven Seagal movies that came out in 2019. And it is so bad. <laughs> I think it's called... Beyond the Law? I can't remember. All of his movies sound the same. Anyway, this movie is so bad. He's supposed to be like an arms expert in one, but he's at a gun range, but the target is like really close to him. (laughs) I can't miss when it's a foot in front of my face. (laughs) And then they were like, I don't think he stood up at all through this whole movie. And I think like they showed a scene that it was clear that the woman he was talking to, they were not in the same room together. Like it was edited so poorly he was like, I'm at my office and I'm going to shoot the whole thing sitting in this chair right here. And you figure out a way to make it to edit it to look like I was in this movie. <laughs> like, it's just so bad. And so we're laughing at Steven Seagal. And then somebody's like, you need to listen to The Dollop, which is a podcast about American history by a couple of comedians. It's very funny. It's recommended to me by a million people all the time. But I finally listened to it because they were like, they did a three episode thing on Steven Seagal. And it was three episodes. Each episode is two hours long. Jeez. (laughs) Six hours of how much of a douchebag this guy is. Okay. So I'm going to try to cram it into the next uh, 15 minutes. (laughs) I think I can confidently say I have never seen a Steven Seagal movie. (laughs) You're not missing much. (laughs) I don't think I am. (laughs) I think I've seen like parts, parts of them. I don't know if I ever sat down and watched the whole thing. I don't think that I have. Side note, I do have a brush with Steven Seagal in that there's a very famous car auction in our 
near hometown of Auburn, Indiana. They have a huge car auction every year. And when we were in school, you used to be able to sign up to go work the auction and empty trash cans and stuff. And my brother did that. And he ended up emptying trash cans in the VIP area. And he's looking around who what celebrities are in the VIP area. And it was Steven Seagal. So he likes car auctions in Indiana. So <laughs> that's my personal connection. <laughs> but yeah, so I listened to these episodes and I was like, oh my God, this guy sucks. This is hilarious. So that's how I got to where we are. I broke it down basically into five separate categories in which he is terrible. <laughs> okay. Oh so, boy. <laughs> Very briefly, just history. He was born April 10th, 1952 in Lansing, Michigan. And then he moved when he was a kid to Fullerton, California. And when he lived there, he started to get interested in martial arts. And then when he got older, he moved to Japan, studied in Japan for a little bit, came back to the United States and met a woman, Miyako Fujitani, who also studied martial arts and when she moved back to her hometown of Osaka he followed with her they got married they had two kids and her family owned a dojo that he and Miyako ran together and he always claimed that he was the first non-east asian to open a dojo in japan which <laughs> it was already open he was working at his father-in-law's place i've done that it's not that impressive <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he eventually leaves his family to move back to the United States so that he can pursue a career in the movies. So he leaves his wife and two kids in Japan to run the dojo and he moves back, opens another dojo, starts to get to know people, starts getting smaller movie roles, and then eventually becomes the action star we all know and are confused by. <laughs> so my first category uh, in my categories of how Steven Seagal is terrible. Category number one, he's a bad husband. Uh -oh. okay? <laughs> because I did mention that he left his wife and kids in Japan, moved back to the United States. And when he did that, he met someone else and married her. Adrian LaRussa married her in 1984 while still married to his first wife. Oh, boy. We've run into that a number of times on this podcast. Yes, we have. Well, overlapping. So <laughs> that marriage was eventually annulled. In researching this, I read a lot of articles and many of them clearly had been touched by Seagal's people <laughs> and Wikipedia chief among them. Like his Wikipedia page just skips over so many things and whitewashes them and then like addresses some of it but really makes it sound not as bad as it was it's just ridiculous so i had to wade through a lot of bullshit to get to the truth of some of this <laughs> but thankfully i knew it because i had listened to this other show where it was so well researched so his relationship with adrian larusa ended in the same year that it started 1984 and briefly after that he saw some movies starring Kelly LeBrock decided that he was very into her, found out that she had gone to Japan for a movie, and he went to Japan to find her. Didn't go to Japan to visit his wife and kids. <laughs> he did it to chase a crush. 
Yikes. And it worked because he did eventually get his divorce from his first wife and he married Kelly LeBrock. Married her in 1987. They were together until 1996. They had three kids together. The very minimal information that I got on that relationship is that it was bad. Potentially abusive. I cannot say for sure. But it was not good. And one way I can say for sure that it was not good is that while he was married to Kelly LeBrock, he impregnated his nanny. Oh, boy. You know, that happens, right? So (laughs) I've never impregnated a nanny. (laughs) You're still young. (laughs) (laughs) Just I'm not rich enough, I guess. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. So I believe it's 1991. Arissa Wolf was his nanny. He got her pregnant. They had a baby two years after he had had his third baby with his wife. So if you're keeping track, six, that's six babies. So yeah, six babies, three women. And he did eventually divorce Kelly LeBrock in 1996. And in 2009, he married his personal assistant named Edintuya Batusk. And they had a baby. So he has seven children. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. So that's category number one. Category number two in which he is terrible is that he is a sexual assaulter. Because of course he is. Of course he is. Okay. Sleaze bag. Sleaze bag. So in 1991, four women accused him of sexual assault and misconduct. He was charged, but then it never went to trial. It was dropped. He settled. He gave them each $50,000. To make his problem go away. These women all worked for the studio when he was shooting under siege. He has also been accused of being a monster creep by Jenny McCarthy, Juliana Margulies, and Portia de Rossi. All Mm. in situations where he had them come for a private audition for a movie and Mm. then he said and did very creepy things jenny mccarthy he told her well i heard you were in playboy i'm gonna need to see what your body looks like take your clothes off and she said this movie doesn't have any nudity in it and he goes well there's going to be off-camera nudity and she left and was very upset by that naturally because that's upsetting yeah Uh, I heard you were in Playboy. Let me see the goods. Uh, Buy a Playboy and you can see the goods. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I'm not going to do it in person. (laughs) Yeah. Juliana Margulies came to his house for an audition, ostensibly, also. And he answered the door in a robe and then sat on a throne that he had put in his house and proceeded to tell her to take her clothes off. Yeah. Similar story with Portia de Rossi and... Similar story with many, many women. And all of these have been paid off, settled out of court, or some other such way pushed aside and under the rug. He has never been tried or convicted of any of these things, but he has been accused many times. In fact, he has been accused in 1995, in 2010, in 2017, and 2018. Dang. So even recent stuff. Even pretty recent. Yes. So that is way number two that Steven Seagal is terrible. Now let's get into some of the funnier stuff. (laughs) Okay. 
Category number three for how Steven Seagal is terrible. He is a liar. A hilariously obvious liar. Okay, early on, he made claims that he was ex-CIA and he went on many secret missions as part of the CIA and his ex-wife was like, that never happened. (laughs) And people who were involved in the CIA were like, that never happened. And he was like... (laughs) Of course they say that never happened because people who really work for the CIA can never be found to have worked for the CIA. It's perfect lie. Perfect lie. Right? (laughs) He also claimed to be a Navy SEAL for a time. And a former friend of his said that he finally discovered that Seagal was lying about being a Navy SEAL when they were all out on a raft one of these like zodiac rafts i think it's called that the seals use one of the like whatever speedboat looking like rafts Mm -hmm. and he fell off of it and freaked out and cried and they had to pull him back into the boat by his ponytail Awesome. You know, how did he find time to be in the CIA and be a Navy SEAL when he was assaulting and impregnating all those women? I know. Yeah. Where where does he find the time? (laughs) Where does he find that? There are only so many hours in the day. Yeah. He also claims that he fought the Yakuza at his dojo in Osaka years before. He would say that members of the Japanese mafia, the Yakuza, would come and learn at his dojo and then they would get into scuffles and he would have to fight them and throw them out and his ex-wife was like not only did that not happen but the worst thing he ever did at our at our dojo was that someone was loitering in the parking lot and he made them leave (laughs) (laughs) what a badass so he's built it in his mind that he's fighting the yakuza He also claims to be an expert who authenticates swords for, like, traders and stuff. And it's just not true. He just doesn't do that. (laughs) So I am rolling my eyes so hard. I can almost see my brain. Oh, my gosh. Believe me when I tell you that everything I'm saying here is just scratching the surface of the absurd shit that this man has lied about. So feel free to peruse. (laughs) But another time... He has a very extensive reputation for being an asshole to stuntmen. So on all of his movies, he got into many arguments with the stunt actors in his movies. And they were like, he throws real punches when he shouldn't. He does moves incorrectly. And he's just generally an asshole. And we don't like him. And so Mm. within the stunt community, he was pretty well hated and he would always just endlessly talk shit. And he was talking shit to one and the guy came and was like, you want me to step to you? I will step to you. And Seagal's (laughs) like, oh, I won't. And then like kind of backed off. But he was on set for one of his movies called Out for Justice and a very well-known stunt performer named Gene LaBelle, who is the personal trainer to Ronda Rousey. He's a very well-known martial artist. He heard Seagal claim that he was immune to chokeholds, which, like, what? <laughs> like, how? Like, I got the vaccine and now I'm immune to chokeholds. Like, what does that even mean? 
My neck is so thick. You'll never <laughs> choke me out. I'm immune. To say like nobody is strong enough to choke me out is one thing, but to say like I'm immune to it is nonsense. And it can immediately be disproven. <laughs> and it was. Because Jean LaBelle was like, I would love to test that. And Seagal's like, fine, fine. Let's do it. Let's do it. Chokehold me. And Jean LaBelle put him in a chokehold. And Seagal immediately passed out and then pooped his pants. <laughs> <laughs> On set in front of like 30 people okay oh no and then later reports like someone interviewed gene labelle and gene's like well you know we had a we had a difference of opinion i guess he's a pretty humble guy and they they were pressuring and they're like we heard he like pooped his pants and he's like well <laughs> i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna you know I, he claimed this and i disprove it and there were a lot of people around and they can tell you what happened and then seagal's like i never did i never did that never happened and i have someone who will corroborate my story and then that person never materialized he's a better person than i am because i would have been like i made him poop his pants i've been shouting that shit from the rooftops <laughs> he's a true martial artist he's like it's not about like the hubris of like that. no yeah i would have run it out of billboard i think <laughs> i made steven i made steven seagal shit himself <laughs> here's my phone number call me i'll tell you all about it yeah <laughs> readily i'm not offering any sort of service i'm not selling anything but you gotta hear this story you, to got, <laughs> you gotta hear this story <laughs> oh man he also lied about well, lots of other stuff, but he claimed to train with the founder of Aikido. That's like his main area of study. But the founder of Aikido died when he was like 13. And so uh. he would have had to be in Japan as like a 12 year old. No, no, it was when he came to Michigan. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, very dumb. Like I said, he has lied about so many other things. And Feel free to continue to look it up because they're crazy. But I have to move on because I have two more sections. So category number four for why Steven Seagal sucks really bad is that he is a bad actor. Okay. <laughs> so not only does he suck in all of these other ways, he's also not good at the thing that he's supposed to be good at. <laughs> he's a movie star i don't know all of those like early 90s action movies there's jean-claude van damme and like all that stuff it doesn't require like great acting it's yeah. all about the kicky kicky punchy punchy anyway and all of his movies are essentially the same thing like he's a rogue cop who takes down bad guys yeah he's done an insane number of movies and he had a few that had solid box office performances in the early 90s under siege on deadly ground out for justice those all did pretty well mm -hmm. but the number of movies he's he's doing a lot of like straight to dvd in the last 15 20 years yeah he's got all those settlements to pay <laughs> yeah right <laughs> gotta keep working <laughs> yeah and he like he wrote some that were weird and bad he directed some that were weird and bad so he's just not good at acting but he's especially not good at comedy if you oh, can believe no. it because he is the only person to be officially banned from ever hosting Saturday Night Live again. 
Oh, no. He hosted? He hosted in the 90s, and it was so awful that Lorne Michaels was like, never again. He would not... When you're a host, like the main thing, especially if you're like a super macho kind of person, when you host, you've got to be able to make fun of yourself. Uh-huh. You know, like, let's put me in a situation I would normally be in or, you know, whatever. He would not do any of that. All he wanted to do was be Steven Seagal. And he would berate the staff. So they're trying to, like, write stuff. There are interviews with David Spade, who's like, we spent all week trying to write for this guy. And he did nothing but scream at us and call us names. And <gasps> then we would have nothing at the end of the week. He wrote this eight minute long sketch to close out the show where... A group of stunt performers, not cast members, stunt actors came and were dressed in suits and ties at an Enron meeting, staff meeting. And he came in like they were talking about polluting. He is very pro-environment and very pro-animal rights. Those are the two things about him that are good, I guess. But he (laughs) came in and was like... It's like an eight minute long sketch. He just comes in and beats up all these people and then deadpans to camera and says, that's what happens when you pollute the environment. <laughs> like, uh, not- That's pretty funny, though. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't think it was, but it's funny because it's bad. But he was just so awful. He pitched a sketch where he was a, a shrink and he tried to sleep with the person that he was giving therapy to like it was just really gross and it, and they're like what no we're not this is a comedy show you weirdo and yeah so only person to ever and i can't remember who the there was like a later host that during their oh it was nicholas cage so nicholas cage hosted i maybe later that year or maybe several years later i can't remember but in his monologue he's talking to lauren michael and he's like i'm just really worried that I'm going to be awful and everybody's going to hate me and I'm going to be the biggest jerk to ever host SNL. And Lorne Michaels goes, no, that's Steven Seagal. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So he sucks at acting. It makes me think, I wonder if after that, Lorne Michaels implemented some sort of escape plan to where if you're in the by Wednesday if you're rehearsing and it's going terrible that you have like a a backup celebrity that you can just toss in there real quick of like I think it's like somebody call Alec Baldwin and get his ass in here to host again an old cast member or somebody who's been there a ton where you're like get them on the phone this guy sucks like let's get him in here who's done this before a bunch of times yeah okay so My last category is a little bit of a catch-all, ways in which Steven Seagal sucks. He's overall a weird asshole. (laughs) And Yeah. Okay, so a few quick stories. I really, I could go on, I'm telling you, six-hour podcast, and I I was, like, invested the whole time about (laughs) this man. So in 2011, he was on a show called Steven Seagal Lawman, where he was, like, deputized and went and did raids and stuff and in an episode of that they raided a guy who was accused of cockfighting and they drove a tank through the front of his house shot his family's dog found over a hundred roosters and then euthanized all of them and arrested the guy and then eventually they were sued for this excessive 
display and for killing this dog. And they were sued and he had to pay a bunch of money for that. Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. In the early 2000s, he decided he wanted to run for the governor of Arizona. And he spent a lot of money on a campaign and on strategists who spent a lot of time running focus groups concerning the length of his ponytail. They photoshopped his ponytail to be multiple different lengths and asked all of these focus groups, do you feel you can trust him more if it was shorter or if it was longer or if it's about where it is? It's a total waste of time. And eventually he... (laughs) Eventually, he gave up the campaign, thankfully, because he'd probably be in the White House right now. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) He is a Russian citizen. He is such a fan of Russia and Vladimir Putin specifically that he has joined a Russian political party symbolically. He can't officially join it and like run or anything because he is a U.S. citizen. He did that in 2019, I think. And he has been a vocal supporter saying that he thinks Vladimir Putin is the greatest leader of all time. Like I said, he became a Russian citizen and he has spoken out in support of Putin in Ukraine. So. Oh, boy. Yeah. Weird asshole. Like I said. (laughs) He is he is an animal activist, like I said, but he shot that family dog. So I feel like he doesn't know what's going on. He is also a Buddhist. He is a Vladimir Putin loving Buddhist. That's a weird asshole. That man is a weird asshole. He's just nuts, man. (laughs) He's crazy. He's very much into Buddhism. He got into it very heavily in like the late 90s. And he was named a tulku, which is essentially a reincarnation of a turtan, which is a spiritual leader in Buddhism. And a tulku, a reincarnated person is typically a child normally that it is someone found this being named a tulku is a big deal like it's like a step below the dalai lama okay Ah. it is a big deal in buddhism and a lot of people who are very a lot of buddhists were like this is not a title that should be conferred upon this man how is it possible that he is this it, like normally people who are named this are children because they were f- newly reincarnated, but he had also given a lot of money to the organization that later named him that. And so uh, there is a lot of, of talk that he bought his title. He is walking, talking cultural appropriation. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and personal contradictions. Just yeah. constant. He was so devout in his Buddhism that he joined the movie The Glimmer Man. I never saw it, but I do remember hearing about it. But at the end of the movie, his character kills a serial killer. And he decided, he said, I am a Buddhist and I feel uncomfortable with my character killing this man. It's like, motherfucker, you're Steven Seagal. Have you seen any of your movies? That's (laughs) literally all you do. And they were like, what? He's a serial killer, though. He's like a bad person. And he's like, I don't think. So he ad-libbed a bunch of lines that made it sound like this guy survived. 
and uh, all the other actors went along Ugh. with it, and then they cut it all out later. Ugh. Yeah. He also uh, went on the set for that movie. He said, I am in command. My word is law on the set of this movie. And John Leguizamo was there and he laughed because he thought it was a joke because it sounds very funny. And Steven Seagal (laughs) punched him into a wall. Oh, yeah. He is a weird asshole. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. He also... And this could be in a whole other episode. He also was extorted by the mafia (laughs) because of movie rights. And that's like a whole thing that I can't even get into, but definitely Google it. He paid like $700,000 to the mafia for (laughs) movies because of his ex-best friend coming and threatening him over a movie deal. Why didn't he just fight them? Right. Well, here's the thing. Why didn't he just shoot them? Because he is well known to constantly be armed, like heavily. Like he went to the Oscars one year. I don't know why. But the person who made his suit was like, it was very weird because he had these two giant guns that I had to tailor around. And I'm like, why are you bringing a couple giant guns to the Oscars, man. And he's like, well, in case they rush the stage on me. And he was like, I was afraid to ask who they were. Uh, Yeah. And within the martial arts community, like other well-known martial artists like Chuck Norris and stuff, they consider him a laughing stock because he is constantly armed. And they're like, if you're that good at martial arts, you should not be carrying a gun. That goes uh, against you claiming to be this like prolific martial artist that you have to be constantly armed wow at the oscars in case will smith slaps you i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah gotta be prepared for those situations there's a lot more feel free to to google feel free to go to the dollop and listen to this six-part series because it's wild because he sucks in many ways and is overall a weird asshole so that's everything i had to say about steven seagal this episode is a doozy okay so we're going to cut right to the chase and try to end this thing. Oh, I know. <laughs> so all these people can go home. This has been an emotional roller coaster. It okay. has been an emotional roller coaster. And everybody listening to this episode, I hope you were riveted enough that you're sitting in your car in your driveway right now. Like, wrap it up. I got to go in and put these groceries away. <laughs> we laughed. We cried. It was a mess. <laughs> yeah. So Steven Seagal sucks. You do not suck. So how do we support you by following you on the interweb? I have no sexual misconduct allegations. So come find me at the farm. (laughs) We are on TikTok and Facebook at Crimson Moon Farm. And you can find our website at crimsonmoonfarm.com. All right. And you can find me, Shanda Sung, on Facebook and Instagram. Shanda Sung, Shanda.Sung on TikTok and Twitter, Shanda S. Panda. I have dates coming up. Get on there. I post about everywhere that I'm going to be. And you can also find this show, Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda, on Facebook and Instagram at Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda and on TikTok at Passing Notes Podcast. And I hope you share this show with your best friend. Absolutely. And like every week, I want to thank my husband, Tyler, for helping us record and edit, produce this show. I also want to thank him for not being a sleazebag. In fact, when I told him the story about Captain M, he was like, 
if ever I meet this guy, I'm going to kill him. I'm just going to kill him. So I also want to thank my husband for possibly going to jail for me someday. So thank you. <laughs> yes. And of course, big ups to everybody who's not a sleazebag. Good job. Yes. Apparently it's hard to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a small club. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we want to thank you all for listening. This was episode 68. We hope you enjoyed it. It was an emotional roller coaster. I know I had a good time considering the content of the, Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, considering the content of it. But uh, for Shanda Sung, I am Ashley Morgan. Join us next time on Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. Wow, I have monopolized this entire <laughs> 45 know, about 44 minutes. minutes in. That's all right. I knew we were in trouble when our opening segment was like 25 minutes long. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>